This is The Guardian. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, They're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Last week, COVID infections were at an all-time high in the UK, driven by the virus variant BA2. The latest ONS infection survey data finds an estimated 4.9 million people in the UK had COVID last week. That's up more than half a million on the week before. And on Friday, April Fool's Day, free rapid tests were scrapped. The government has announced an end to free universal testing as part of its Living with COVID plan. Then, on Monday, the UK's official list of COVID symptoms was expanded to include not one, not two, but another nine symptoms. Say you just woke up and your head feels a little stuffy. Or maybe your throat's a little bit sore, or perhaps you just sneezed. Is it a cold? Is it the flu? Or is it COVID? It's an interesting confluence of events. But why has the UK decided now, two years into the pandemic, to add symptoms to its official list. Symptoms that, frankly, everyone already knew about. From The Guardian, I'm Madeline Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Linda Geddes, as a Guardian science correspondent, you recently reported on the symptoms newly added to the UK's COVID symptom list... And I enjoyed the way that you put it. Ministers are finally acknowledging what has been patently obvious since the beginning of the pandemic, that people have been experiencing more than just a high temperature, cough and loss of taste and smell. So what symptoms have finally made it onto the list? So in addition to fever a new continuous cough and loss of smell or change to smell and taste, we've got shortness of breath, tiredness or exhaustion, body aches, headache, sore throat, a blocked or runny nose, loss of appetite, diarrhoea and feeling or being sick. Right, so we've gone from three symptoms, adding nine to make 12, it's quite a lot. Which ones are the most common? 
So we know from the Zoe COVID symptom study, which has been, you know, asking people around the UK to log their symptoms, that Omicron is particularly associated with certain symptoms. So according to the Zoe app, um, runny nose is number one, affecting about 83% of people with COVID. And then we've got fatigue. And then sore throat and headache, both of those, about 69% of people experience those symptoms, and sneezing. Now, some of those symptoms may be particularly prevalent in people who've been vaccinated, and some of it may be to do with, with Omicron, which seems to infect the tissues of the upper respiratory tract more than previous variants that were a bit more lungy. But yeah, you know, the Zoe app suggests that a lot of people who have Omicron sneeze, but that isn't on the NHS list. So there are some symptoms that haven't actually made this long list yet. I mean, are there other ones that people are still talking about, even with the Omicron variant? Because I personally remember at the start of the pandemic, everybody was talking about this strange and mysterious COVID toe. I know the COVID toe. I know. I want what's happened to COVID toe. Um, that isn't on the list. And neither are other things. Like, do you remember two years ago, there were people talking about hair loss or tinnitus or having these weird rashes on their bodies or having this racing heart? But a lot of these things, including COVID toe, are thought to have kind of occurred after the initial acute infection. So they're more kind of long COVID persistent symptoms that crop up a couple of weeks after you've initially been infected. And they may have a kind of autoimmune component. There was actually a bit of recent research that was published on COVID toes. Interestingly, these researchers couldn't find any immunological evidence that they had actually been infected with COVID. So they have suggested that maybe people were getting these weird swollen toes for some other reason, like being cooped up indoors a lot or maybe walking around their house with their shoes and socks off. I'm not sure about that. I mean, I think I had COVID in March 2020 and I definitely was getting like weird rashes all that summer. But, you know, who knows? So the mystery of the COVID toe continues and obviously there's some other symptoms as well that may not yet be on the list. But the ones that have made it, you know, many of these have been recognised by other countries for a long time. And you mentioned the Zoe COVID study, which has been analysing the symptoms of thousands and thousands of people in the UK and have been reporting their findings for a long time and lobbying for this change, which in a roundabout way, takes me to this obvious question. Why has this happened now? Well, Tim Spector, who leads the Zoe Symptom Study, has a hunch that it has something to do with the fact that testing has just been scrapped. So the suspicion is that the government has known, but not wanted to admit, that COVID is associated with many more symptoms. Because if everyone who had all of these symptoms had been requesting tests particularly like last winter when there were so many infections, the testing system would have been completely overwhelmed. But I mean, certainly, you know, like the CDC in America expanded its list of official symptoms in April 2020, two years ago, including things like chills and muscle pain, headache, sore throat. And it's obviously been frustrating for the people who are lobbying for the change. But now it's also frustrating for all of us because we've got this extended list of symptoms 
but also tests are much less accessible. And people are being pointed towards the fact that they should consider that possibly more things could be COVID, whether it's sniffles or feeling tired, but they can't necessarily check. I mean, what is the message here? I think it's extremely confusing. You know, I think what the government is trying to do is to encourage people to take responsibility for their own illness and their symptoms and ideally protect others by not going out if they have cold-like symptoms, which would be great. You know, I would love it if no one went out and everyone decided to or was allowed to work from home if they were ill, but that's not the way society works. And then there's mask wearing, you know, You only have to go out onto the high street to see that most people are no longer wearing masks. They don't want to wear masks. Everyone's fed up with it. So the government has acknowledged that now COVID can be associated with all these symptoms. But I just get the feeling people don't care anymore. Or maybe they care and they're just exhausted and they just want life to go back to normal and they don't see themselves being as such high risk, which is kind of true. But it's not true for everyone, sadly. I do get the frustration of lots of people, Linda, and especially now when individuals have to part with their own money to buy tests. Saying that, currently cases are very high and withdrawing free testing will mean that it is a lot harder to get a good sense of continued prevalence. But what kind of impacts could we see beyond just transmission throughout the spring and the summer? Well, continued transmission is the problem. So even though Omicron seems to be associated with less severe symptoms, actually, you know, the hospitalisation rate at the moment is almost as high as it was at the peak of the first wave. Uh, But it is true that there are a lot fewer people in intensive care than the first time around, although there's still long COVID, which is a big issue. But that aside, the more people who are infected with any COVID variant, the greater the chances are that it will mutate further and we'll get new variants coming up. You know, this is a massive, massive problem with Omicron sweeping around the world, particularly in places like China, which has billions of people living in it, and where they've had barely any COVID infections throughout the pandemic because they've been so hot on, you know, zero COVID and and preventing transmission. And what's happening now is there's the potential for, you know, huge numbers of people to be infected. So there's two issues here. The first being that people who don't have any protection or much protection from vaccines are likely to become more severely ill. But then also, with so many infections, there's this higher chance of mutations and new strains arising, potentially even more transmissible. When Delta came along, people said, is Delta the last variant? Nothing could be more transmissible than Delta. Then Omicron came along and everyone went, well... We were wrong about Delta, but, you know, nothing can be more transmissible than Omicron. This is definitely it now. And then Omicron BA2 came along. There is nothing to say that another variant won't come along that's more transmissible than Omicron BA2. And also there's nothing to say that another variant won't come along that is more horrible than Omicron. But, you know, there's still always going to be a proportion of people for whom the vaccines do not work as well or whose immune systems are not 
as as robust and don't respond as well to vaccination or infection. And you know this this could this could continue next winter as well. Sorry, gloom. So even though all the signs from the UK government, the lifting of restrictions and the scrapping of free testing point towards the fact that we're basically living with this now, we're not really out of the woods, are we? No, I'd say we're getting into the kind of thinner woods. We're not in the, we're not in the thick of the forest, but you know, we're not out of the woods at all. Living with COVID doesn't have to be life completely as it was before. There are things that don't really impede people's lives too much, like wearing a mask if you have cold symptoms, um, maybe trying to reduce the social contact if you have cold-like symptoms, that it's not that big an ask for people to do, and it could make a bit of a difference. Linda, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks again to Linda Geddes. We've put links to her reporting on COVID-19 on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. And whilst you're there, why not take a listen to our podcast Politics Weekly UK? Award-winning Guardian columnist John Harris hosts a cast of voices from up and down the country as well as across the political spectrum. You'll hear fast-paced, humorous and insightful takes on the week's political news. It's out every Thursday, so search for Politics Weekly UK wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to never miss an episode. And that's it for today. The producer was me, Madeline Finlay. The sound design was by Tony Onachuku. And the executive producer was Max Sanderson. We'll be back next Tuesday. See you then. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.